0: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
1: In the fall, each year we all congregate, the foul dog gathered at the church of Hellgate. The scriptures reading from the bulletin, my favorite verse, my God, impression. Drunk and obnoxious, what well, children Faith. Ain't nothing fine, they're in the lane. Now the 3,000 of our best friends. It's Saturday in that thing.
0: Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. And boss, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. It's rivalry week, not just with the dogs, but across college football. So as I texted you, this will be my favorite pick sheet of the year. There's literally every single game we are picking this week has a name. So I am beyond fired up about that. Um, also guys, if you haven't already go ahead and give us a rating, uh, on our podcast, whether you listen to podcasts through Apple or Spotify, whoever you use, uh, leave a rating for us. If you aren't already subscribed, go ahead and subscribe, uh, leave us a review, um, go ahead and follow us on social media. Any way you can connect with us, the better, like we generally talk about on here. We want this to feel like a, a big bar full of dogs fans. So, Pull up a bar still with us, give us a follow, and uh, talk dogs. So let's bark a little bit, homie. Um, Obviously, I wouldn't say a ton to talk about from a game breakdown perspective with the Charleston Southern (laughs) game, but a couple moments from it I do want to touch on and really both of them center around Jordan Davis, number one. I mean, I could watch them motion into him being in the backfield and him taking that handoff for the touchdown on an endless loop, and my heart would forever be happy. Also, I just thought the post-game video and, like, the whole thing, like, the Red Coat band director, like, giving him the plaque and presenting him with the jacket and then him, you know, directing and leading the band. I just thought such an awesome moment. And I think, like, for me, dude, I I think he may have to be in the top three to five dogs of all time from a, my favorite dogs perspective, just based off not just performance on the field, but just personality, right? Like he's just, if you can't like Jordan Davis, something is inherently wrong with your insides. Like (laughs) he's just, I don't know. I just feel like he's such a good dude. So yeah, those are my two big takeaways from Saturday was how cool those two moments were.
1: Yeah. For me, it was the highlight of the year. Seeing him score was the first highlight, and then obviously the festivities afterwards with the band. But I agree completely agree with you. He is definitely in the top five. He might be in the top three. And for this, I'm obviously going to use lifetime because Herschel played before both of us were born. So yeah. he's obviously the greatest dog, and you know, personality-wise, since then, he still is a great ambassador, but he didn't play during our lifetime. So yeah. Jake Roos t- tweeted this out about Jordan Davis not too long ago. I think it was tuesday and like the debate the that sparked it that came out of it was kind of surprising um because he actually specifically pointed out davis being over nick chubb and like the vitriol that came out of that and he he made specific criteria about it and he got a lot of vitriol from the fan base and but he basically was comparing personalities because davis is a very magnetic personality and nick chubb while great ambassador for the program he flat out says don't gotta advertise you know he's not he doesn't talk um and that's just his personality he goes out he does his job that's just who he is now don't get me wrong i love nick chubb one of my all-time favorite dogs but as far as it's not really an apples to apples comparison when you're talking about the two in my opinion so i mean they're both in my top five but for me nick and sony are still always attached to the hip to me they're they're always together, no matter what. They will always be attached together. So I actually was going through my top five and Jordan is is above both of them. And Nick and Sony. I still can't take them apart. They're together for me, no matter what.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think you can separate Jordan's personality from the equation, right? Like he's obviously been a game changer on the field. And that goes back to you look at even in 18 when he played as a freshman, how different they were once he started to play from a defensive perspective versus how they weren't. So like, I think obviously he's a dynamic player and that's why he's in the conversation, but personality wise, he's just so lovable. Right. And I think the other neat thing is you can tell that Kirby loves him. Like, and I know coaches love all their players and, and uh, look, that's a given, right. But it's something different with Jordan. Like you can tell he like kind of lights up when he talks about him. So I think that's been cool to see too is, is to, to hear Kirby talk about him. but you can just see the affinity. And I do think his personality is one of the kind of foundational base points for how cohesive this team is as a unit. Like how, because he's so joyful. And I think as one of the leaders of the team, that kind of rubs off, right? Attitude reflect yeah. leadership. I mean, you can see that and how they play and how they interact with each other. And I thought that was cool on Kirby's all access episode this week that they all talked about that, about how connected they were. And they all just are always constantly talking about how they just want to play for each other and play for each other. And I don't know, man, it's just been such a fun year and I thought Saturday was a good celebration of that in so many ways. Um, and then you know <clears throat> what Kirby said in the in the post game presser, well, not the presser, but in the post game locker room from the All Access show, I thought was great too. He's like, you know, look, this has been a strange week because I needed to come out and say this, but it's a strange week because you're preparing for an FCS opponent, right? So it's hard to get up for that. I think from a preparation perspective, but then you know. Also, it's celebrate the seniors week. So in a lot of ways, it's a farewell to these guys. But season's not over, right? Like we associate farewells with goodbyes, but there's a whole lot of football left. So he said, okay. look, it's been a weird week. We all recognize that. But it's time to lock in now. Like we've got a two week run here that we got to get rolling. And, you know, that kind of takes us into I, I always think this is a weird week, too, because even though it is rivalry week and usually big football games across the country, not just with Georgia and Georgia tech, but it's a holiday week. So dude, smack dab in the middle of this is Thanksgiving on Thursday, which football wise, like I'll tell you when I was working for the Redskins or Washington football team, uh, we had, we did not have a Thanksgiving day game, but we practiced on Thanksgiving. So, you know, you get to the field like normal and then the only thing that really changes is it's early release on Thanksgiving. So instead of like a normal practice time, which I think for us the time, we would practice like one o'clock or one thirty or something like that. Um I think practice that day was at like nine. And then everybody was released at kind of one fifteen or one thirty to, to go spend Thanksgiving with their family. So I think that'll be probably I would guess similar with with the dogs. That'll be the only functional change I think preparation wise is that maybe they have a half day Thursday and you tell me if you're thinking different on this, I mean, I I would think they are marginally preparing for Georgia tech and mostly preparing for Alabama. Like, I'm not saying they're doing installs already for Alabama, but I think they're probably looking at tape from both this week. When you think like, I I just think say what they want. Georgia tech stinks. Like I think the spread reflects that and we could pretty much go out and run the Charleston Southern game plan. And I think, Cover the spread against Georgia Tech, so I would I would foresee that they are doing some
1: work on Alabama this week. You think I'm wrong on that? No, I think all the prep work, especially behind the scenes, is Alabama. I don't think any of the you know analytics, all the film work, all of that stuff. I think is Alabama. I think probably I mean, we're taping on Tuesday. I'd probably say they did a little bit of film stuff and study on tech, maybe Sunday, maybe a little bit on Monday for player wise. But I'm talking about like support staff is all Bama right now. I think support staff is full on Bama, not touching Georgia Tech at all. I mean, we could be wrong on that because, you know, we've never done this before, but I don't think they're, you know, this game plan should be very vanilla and the defense will probably be very aggressive. And the game plan should be very similar to get in, get up big, get out, get healthy, rest, get ready for next week. Yeah, I mean, this is the beauty of Paul Johnson not being there anymore. You you don't
0: have to deal with this triple option, a from a schematic scam standpoint, and trying to prep that and get the defense ready for it. But also, too, you're not. I feel like you're not as worried about somebody taking an ankle or a knee injury coming out of the game, right? So mm-hmm. you just love that. I mean, it's great that he's not there to fool with that offense anymore. Deal with all that prep. Uh, and I think it just makes it a little bit more of a seamless transition It's championship week uh, coming up December 4th. So yeah, I love that. I mean, Georgia tech's coming off, getting the doors blown off of them by Notre Dame. And I don't think the outcome is going to be much different this coming weekend. I mean, talent wise, it's a grand Canyon size gap between those two programs and Jeff Collins didn't exactly strike me as a, a master strategist or anything <laughs> of that nature. So um, I think this, like it has been for a number of weeks, it's going to be a lot more about do the dogs cover the number than it is. Oh, are we worried about Georgia tech? Like, I think this is just going to be, you know, they're going to steamroll Georgia tech. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, think you're kind of probably where I'm at. This is just, I'm all, I'm on the countdown to Atlanta brother. At the, the other Atlanta, like at the bends. Not the, uh, yeah. not, the ex- not the exhibition taking place at, at Mark Rick Field uh, this coming <laughs> Saturday. So um, they won't talk about it, but I would love to hear the conversations that are happening internally in their prep meetings. Because you know they have just got to be fired up about this opportunity. There are just so many skeletons in that closet, and they have to be cognizant of that, right? Like there's so many demons to exercise. I'm so, so fired up. I mean, dude, I was rooting for Arkansas all last weekend just because I thought it would have been awesome for Coach Pittman to beat them. But at the same time, when they won and sealed up the the berth, I was like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted." (laughs) So, yeah, I'm pretty fired up for the matchup. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I did not foresee Arkansas putting up 35 on them. I thought they would cover for sure. I thought the number on that game last week was too big. I didn't see him putting up 35. Like, this. something is something is amiss with this Bama defense. And I just – I think Todd Munkin has got to be licking his chops. You know, Herbie said something that – look, man, you and me aren't football experts or anything, so I don't know one way or the other because I'm not breaking down tape from teams all across America like Herbie is. But he brought up a point on – I don't know if it was Feinbaum or maybe it was on the – CFP podcast they do through ESPN, but he said that what he's noticed watching tape on them is they have a lot of problems with pre snap motion and that that's caused them problems all year long on their defense. And dude, I feel like we do a ton of pre snap motion and like Munkin, that that's, that's just right in his bag, right? So yeah, when I heard that from Kirby, I was like, oh baby, that gets me excited because you know Coach Monkin is just going to have so much stuff dialed up for them and it's going to be awesome. What do you, what are are the, I mean, look, I'm just going to tell y'all straight up. We ain't fixing to talk too much about Georgia tech. (laughs) So if you, if you came here for Georgia tech analysis, you've come to the wrong place. Uh, We will talk about it when we pick it and it'll, it'll essentially be a conversation about whether we think they're going to cover or not. Schematically, I think we know what's going to happen, but let me ask you this for me the two big matchups that I'm interested about in the Alabama game are Georgia's offensive line against Alabama's front seven. Okay. So, and I say that meaning I am very interested to see how we run the football, because I think if we're able to establish the run and pass off of that, that goes right into what they've done all year. I also think it allows us to control clock and keep Bryce Young and Alabama's offense off the field. So that's matchup one for me. Okay. Okay. Matchup number two I'm very interested in because I think this will be the biggest test all year is their field stretching wideouts versus our secondary who thus far has played outside their minds. Right. Like Lewis Seen has played fantastic. Chris Smith has been fantastic. Keeley and Darion have been fantastic. So those those are my two kind of unit matchups that I'm watching for that game. What are, what are the things that you are looking forward to and what are the matchups you think that game is going to turn on?
1: Well, I want to talk about those two matchups because I am looking forward to that. I want to spin off of those a little bit. The first one isn't necessarily the front seven. It's how we block Will Anderson. And okay. honestly, if yeah. I'm attacking Will Anderson, I'm running right at him. I am going yeah. 2012 Alabama's plan against Jarvis Jones. Run right at him. Make yeah. him... Tire him out. Make him stop the run. I don't care if we pull two guys at him every single play. Make him stop the run. Make him tired when he's got to fight off defenders uh, or blockers against the run. And, I mean, he's a a decent run defender, but he's not. He's a pass rusher. That's where he makes his money. And he's going to get tired quick if we're running at him every single play. So, also, having Salyer back is going to be huge for that. Yeah. Secondly, I don't really think it's field stretching wide receivers. I think it's field stretching wide receiver because Mechie has been, Mechie's really turned into more of a possession type guy as the season's gone on. And Williams has been pretty much their only deep threat the past three games. Mechie's had a couple where he's busted them. So it, his numbers look better, but they've been short slants where he's taken them long. Williams is beaten people deep. I think that we'll go the same defensive alignment we did after the first two drives against Tennessee. I think we'll we'll see Smith at star Jackson and um, seen at safety. And we'll have the three inside linebackers, you know, the three headed monster at inside linebacker to negate the speed factor. And we're going to have to jam him at the line with probably jam him with one of the linebackers and then turn around and, you know, have someone physical like Smith on him and have Jackson and scene over the top. That's especially when he's in the slot, because that's where he's most dangerous outside. I'm not as worried about him on the outside, but when he's in the slot is where he scares me. Yeah, I
0: I guess I'm going to add a third matchup into this because I think it's the other piece of it that and we'll we'll dive into this more in depth next week, too, but I think Georgia's defense is going to present the most problems from a pressure perspective for Bryce Young, you know, unlike anything they've probably seen all year. And dude, he's still young. So I I think that's going to be interesting to see how he handles the pressure. And I think their game plan is going to be what it's been all year. It's just to stay home with, you know, try and bring four and just have guys back there to stay in coverage and they'll get home with, with the guys they bring. I mean, I think that's, that's going to stay intact and I think they're going to have success with that because for me, for the first time in a long time, Alabama's line doesn't, doesn't scare you. Right. Like when's the last time you could say that where they weren't just absolute maulers and road graders that you knew were going to control the line of scrimmage and win. And I, I don't think that's the case. this year, And I think, especially given the fact that they haven't played anybody like George's D-line. I just think, man, it, it's going to be real interesting to see. And I think that's going to affect Bryce because I just don't think he's had to deal with a ton of pressure. And I think, I think maybe the team that pressured him the most is, is LSU, don't you think? I thought he was running around a lot that night. and Yeah, he was. They, they obviously didn't put up a lot of points. So, I don't know. I, that'll, that'll be interesting to watch, too. So yeah, uh, another thing I want to talk about. This is we'll get off Alabama. We'll talk more about that next week. Mackey Award finalist list got released today. Brock was not one of the three finalists. I want to talk to you about it real quick. I will be honest with you. The two of the three that made the list, I had no problem with. I thought they were completely justified. And even if you it was only a two-person list and you chose them and didn't choose Brock, I could see the argument. Okay, but the kid from Texas A&M, Jalen. How do you say his name? Widermeyer or Wittermeyer? How do you even know
1: which one? Widermeyer? Widermeyer? Yeah. Him being
0: on the list over Brock, I think is just an absolute miss. I mean, no chance given the results on the field and given, more importantly, the effect Brock has had on the number one team in all the land. How can he not be on the list? I just, it, it makes zero sense to me. That bothered me.
1: I will say it, it shocked me at first. And then the more and more I think about it, that these are really kind of popularity contests a lot. And Weidermeyer, I feel like that was a career achievement. Um, not, he's not going to win it, but I feel like it was a career achievement final finalist type situation. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. But like, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I just, the numbers aren't really close, uh, and I think when you add in the depth of what team Brock is putting those numbers up for and the direct effect his impact has had on their season result, I don't know. Anyways,
1: well, I also, I that- read something. I read something today, and I don't know how accurate this is, but I don't think a true freshman has ever won the award or been a finalist. Yeah, first time for everything, baby. Make it happen. Yeah. Well, you know how these old heads are. They're not. <laughs> they're not going to do that.
0: Yeah, I just think they should be ashamed of themselves for that vote. That's just ridiculous. I mean, again, who cares, right? I mean, But it just it, it it made saying this as a dog fan. I'm just saying this as like football fan. It makes no sense that he's not fined. I mean, if, if you if you can't look in the mirror and understand that he is one of the best top three tight ends in the country, then you're an idiot. I mean, there's just no nice way to say that. So yeah, it is what it is, but, um, the Kobe's a finalist for the Buckus, which is justified. If he doesn't win it, then they should all have to turn in their voting credentials. Uh, I think he is unquest- unquestionably the best linebacker in America. So yeah, uh, that, if that doesn't happen, I, I'll be I'll be frustrated. And then, dude, Stetson's finalist for the Burlsworth Award, which I love.
1: He should. I mean, he should just give him that award.
0: Yeah, I think I think he should win that one. Also, a little PSA: we've talked about this, this movie on the show before, but if you have not seen the movie Greater, the Brian Bolsworth story, then get on that. Also, I'm just telling you: if you don't cry, then you have no soul. So just put that out there. Get some tissues. Um,
1: get some tissues. All right.
0: All right, you want to uh, pick some games? I'm itchy to pick games because I had such a poor performance last week.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right, why don't you tell the listeners how fired up you are that you caught your boy and now we're neck and neck going in the last two weeks.
1: Yes, we are both at 65 and 55. I have caught up. My strategy of going against you for the past two weeks has, has worked up. I made, an, made up seven games in the past two and a half weeks or three weeks.
0: Yeah, uh, boy, your, your boy has had a tough two out of three weeks. I I sandwiched an eight and two week in between two, two and eight weeks. So your boy is having a tough, tough three week stretch here. Um, yeah, that's all right. I'm going to get right this week. I'm going to get right this week and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get right championship week. So, dude, just an incredible slate of games this week from a nickname perspective, which you know I'm all about. So, we are going to start with Thursday night, Thanksgiving Eve, the Egg Bowl, which I think this has to be the most electric head coaching matchup in all of college football. You've got Mike Leach, the captain of the Cowbell Pirate Ship, and then you've got Lane Kiffin, the conductor of the old Miss Lane train. I mean, it just doesn't get much better than that, brother. And the Egg Bowl, what a fantastic... Rivalry name and trophy. I mean, it just hits so many marks. So your boy, Mike Leach and Mississippi State are one and a half point home favorites. And homie, Will Rogers probably been best quarterback in the country last three or
1: four weeks. So
0: where are you sitting on this? You riding with your boy or you hopping on the
1: lane train? Where are you going? I love the over. I don't care what it is. If it's anything (laughs) under under 85, I'm taking it. Love it. You know, before last week, I would have taken Ole Miss. But Ole Miss, at home, did not look very good against Vandy last week. Now, Vandy has played some pretty inspired football for Clark Lee the past four or five weeks. It looks like they have somewhat of an identity. But still, it's still Vandy. And with Matt Corral's last home game, I figured they were going to try to send him out looking like trying to bump up that Heisman Trophy uh, candidacy, even though it's looking like he has no shot before last week, still figured they were going to try to, you know, have him like four or five touchdowns, and just something he just didn't look all that great, and they didn't look all that great. So even with a fourteen point win, so I'm going to go with the my boy and the cowbell pirate chip. I don't think it's going to be this. I think it's gonna be very high scoring, but I'm not so certain that it's gonna be very close at the end. I could see this, you know, being like a 50 to 30 type game by all it's said and done because Olmus's defense is just not very good.
0: They've burnt me so many times this year when I picked against them. So I am I'm, I'm with you. I'm rolling with the Cowbell Pirate ship. I'm 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 all yes. on board with Coach Leach. So I'm taking, taking the Bulldogs from the West. So yes, let's do it. Let's go, Coach Leach. Get your boy a Thanksgiving W. I want to be enjoying a piece of pumpkin pie and starting my week 1-0. and 0. So let's make that happen. Okay, second game of the week we're going to pick is a Friday night matchup. Also one of my favorite, favorite named rivalries. The Apple Cup. Washington and Washington State. Again, fantastic name. Um, I feel like Washington is just a hot mess right now. Also... a good buddy of mine from law school went to Washington state. They have this song on YouTube called the Pullman song. For those of you who don't know, Washington state is in Pullman, Washington. And we used to jam the Pullman song all through the dogs, magical 07 season. So I've always felt like it was kind of a lucky song. So YouTube the Pullman song and jam that out. And um, yeah, so that's one thing also number two, dude, the Coop flag is a mainstay at college game day. And I always try to get a picture with the fellows that have the Coug flag that week. Um, so a lot of things going on there. So where, where are you feeling about this one? It's, it's, at, it's at Washington at Husky Stadium right there on the water. And it's essentially a pick-em. Cougs are a half-point favorite. Where are you sitting on this? All
1: right. I know I'm going to butcher this stat. So, But the, when I read this, this was a couple weeks ago. And this was some message board, you know, back and forth between this. I don't even know how I got on a Washington, Washington State, you know, Twitter rant. Um, But it it was a very entertaining read. But if I have read this correctly, Washington State has not had a lead in the second half against Washington since 2007. Oh, I love stats like this. Now, I could not. Like I said, this was back and forth. And the, the Washington State people did not disagree with this. So I'm I'm rolling with it. I don't know if this is accurate or not. And that doesn't mean they haven't won because they've won, but they have not had a lead in the second half. Everything that on Twitter, th- everything on Twitter is true. So <laughs> that changes this year if that is accurate. If it's not accurate, whatever. So Washington State wins this year. Washington is an absolute dumpster fire. Who knows who their coach is going to be next year? The whole fiasco with Lake, which just surprised me because I was really I really was like that hire, but. I like Washington State to win. They look pretty good this year. I liked. I, I like how they've looked this year. They seem to be on the right direction, even though they were, you know, had that drama towards the um, beginning of the year. Who knows who the coach is going to be uh, next year? But they at least have some stability in the program. Washington does not at all. I'm taking the Cougs.
0: I'm with you, homie. I'm rolling with the Cougs. This pick is from my boy, the Cash Man, my buddy from law school. Uh, we're going. We're going to jam the Pullman song on Friday night. Cougs are taking home the Apple Cup. You can mark that down right now. I mean, this is not boding well for us to have differing records. But no, if we're going if we're, if we're to go down, the Saturday night the podcast ship is going to sink together, brother. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Third game of the week, monster game. The game, Ohio State going to Ann Arbor to the big house to play Michigan. Ohio State absolutely dolly Michigan State last weekend. Like, I think they're still scoring points as we are taping this. Um, And Michigan State secondary still hasn't stopped anybody. So, I think we could run back our 1998 JV team when we wore the bright yellow pants, homie, and I think we could. And we were running the T formation. We could have run 26
1: reverse pass. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. That secondary was was uh, was hot garbage last week, and really has been all season. It was just a matter of time before somebody exposed it. I just didn't expect it to be quite that bad. Neither did I.
0: Neither did I. Um, Okay, so Ohio State is a seven and a half point road favorite. What's your feeling about that one?
1: I have no feel for this game at all. Is Ohio State as good as they were last week? I don't think so. I think Ohio State is closer to what we saw against nebraska and oregon and that that offense they're going to put up points but they they don't blow teams they don't blow teams of similar talent level out i think it's going to be close i have no idea who's going to win i could see this being another overtime game um i'm going to take michigan to cover but again i have no feel for this. I mean, I would not be surprised either way if Ohio State comes out and wins by 40, or if Michigan comes out and wins by 20. I, I have zero feel for this game at all.
0: Boy, I'm right there with you. I I have no idea what this is going to do. Uh, Michigan, I thought, after the Michigan State loss, was going to implode and like drop a game to somebody they shouldn't have lost to, and then get the doors blown off them by Ohio State, because that just kind of seems to be what these Harbaugh teams do, but dude, they've stayed right in that pocket, stayed together, have played some really good football. And this is a monster game. And like, dude, they win this game. They are square in the CFP conversation. Like essentially they went out there and so massive game for their program. What makes me nervous is I, I, I don't think either one of us would term the Michigan offense as high flying. And if Ohio state breaks their back a little bit early and gets up, I think it'd be like last weekend, right? Like I think it'd be one of these, I think it'd be one of these runaways. If Michigan is able to run the football and play some defense and get some stops, then I'm with you, man. I think it's going to be a nail biter. Maybe even something that goes to OT. Oh God. I still don't have any feel for it. But Michigan's playing at home. It's a huge game. It's going to be a huge atmosphere. I hope it's like 27 degrees and snowing. Like, I feel like the game should be played in that kind of weather every year. I, I think I'm with you, man. Something about this just says to take Michigan. Could be because I read an article today that said they've had signs posted since the end of last season that said, what have you done today to beat Ohio State? You know, I love stuff like that. It means nothing, but I love it. Yeah. So I think they're geared into this and I think they're going to be on a mission. So I'm with you, brother. I'm taking the Wolverines. Also just like a gut thing. We had Michigan helmets in high school, so we'll roll with that. We weren't, we weren't maze We weren't maze and blue, but we had their helmets. So yeah, that's where we're, that's where we're going, brother. Okay. The next one on the docket is the sunshine showdown, Florida state, At Florida, we didn't talk about this mainly because I just don't care. Like, I have found it interesting that Georgia fans have spent so much time and energy celebrating slash dancing on the grave of Dan Mullen. Like, and I'm obviously in the minority on this. He stirred emotion not one way or the other for me. And I'll tell you why. Because he's irrelevant. He was never close to being as competent and or as excellent as Kirby. And so I loved it that he was the head coach of Florida because I knew you could just pencil that W in as long as he was there. So like didn't really, wasn't really cause for celebration for me that he got fired. I guess P- he just rubs people the wrong way. So people were happy to see him get fired because he's such a doofus. And like, I guess I could see that. Like I couldn't care one way or the other that Dan Mullen got fired. He's a dweeb and not I think, a great head coach or a leader of a program. So this was this a was result that was always going to happen. And I just have this feeling in my gut that Scott Strickland is going to screw up anything that he touches. And so I think he's going to screw up whoever they hire next. So I can't wait to see that continuing dumpster fire happen in Gainesville. So anyways, I say all that to tell you that I'm shocked. Florida is a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Florida State, who has been playing pretty inspired football as of late. Who do you, you think is winning this one? Who do you think is covering this one, I guess you'd say?
1: Florida State. Florida State wins. Florida State's going bowling. Norville somewhat writes the ship. I don't care who coaches that game. I don't care who's calling plays. That team checked out weeks ago, and you think they're going to all of a sudden check back in for a rivalry game? Come on. Give me a break. That, te- that team is already thinking about like golfing and their transfer destinations next season. I'm with you, man. For me,
0: this was the easiest one on the docket all week. Yeah. I think Florida State wins this by 10 points. I, I, they look motivated and are playing for something and building something towards next year. And I, it, I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be close. Also, we have to talk about Eli Drinks' fantastic dig at your boy Dan Mama. I mean, ending the postgame press conference by flinging the hood up and pulling out a, lightsaber that he got from his kid's playroom. And what did he say? May the force be with you. Is that what he said?
1: May the force be with you.
0: May the force be with you. God bless. That is just A+. I like, I literally stood up in the living room and clapped for him when I watched an video. And that's not hyperbole. I I legitimately was so moved. But that is just good stuff right there. I got to give him a little slow clap here from my living room. That was excellent. Excellent. Also, dude, he doubled down on it. He, he went on a radio show today and said, oh, you know, I grew up, I was a son of a farmer. So there's an old saying in farming that you reap what you sow. And he goes, well, I guess if you reap if you reap jackassery or you sow jackassery or something like that. I was like, this is incredible. Like now I understand why Kirby likes Eli so much.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been on Coach Drink since he got there more because of his coaching ability. This just like made me love him 10 times more. Oh, just so good. Bless
0: you, Eli. Uh, That's just, that's good stuff, brother. Good on you. Okay. Another big one. More so, I think, because of the rivalry. I think it is arguably, maybe not arguably, I think it's one of the top three rivalry games in all of college football. And that's the Iron Bowl. Alabama heading to the Plains to play Auburn, who will be without Bo Nix. And Alabama is a 19 and a half point favorite in their tune-up for the SEC title game with the Dogs. Uh, you think they cover that? Oh, he's conflicted. He's conflicted, and I love it.
1: Yeah, I, I do. If Nix was playing, even though I'm not, you know, I you know everybody knows how much I love Bo Nix. Oh yeah, I think they'd have a, a shot to, shot to cover, but I don't think with with um, was it Finley in the Finley their quarterback yeah, now. Yeah, I don't think TJ Finley, Finley. I don't think they. And I can someone please explain to me why they don't give Bigsby the ball more? I, is there a reason he doesn't enter the portal? I mean, I, I don't know. Anyway, I could go on and on about that. What that's neither here nor there. I just don't see it. And then of course, I mean, have you heard Bo Nick's running his mouth this week? So about yes. all the calls that I mean is every every fan on the planet knows that Alabama gets some favoritism. And even yes. when Gary Danielson is, you know, the Bama Homer is saying that Bama's is getting favoritism from the refs. You know, there's something wrong. Yeah. So that, I just, yeah. there's all the rumors with Harson possibly going out to Washington. I mean, Auburn's pretty much, I think they've checked out too. It's just uh, 19 and a half, even though it's in on the planes, I think that they cover and there's too much talent there. On, in at Bama, and I just, I don't think Auburn really, I, teams have checked out already is this is a weird year you would have thought that would have happened last year with COVID year but it seems like many teams have checked more teams have checked out this year.
0: Yeah I'm with you man I think I think Alabama will cover it. Um they burnt me last or uh they were I I just I don't know. I I think to your point Auburn's out. I think I, I haven't thought they were good all year. So them not being good and not really having anything to play for of any substance, which I shouldn't say that. In the state of Alabama, beating Alabama as someone who either plays for Auburn or you could go 1-11 and that's the one win you want. So it's not like they're playing for nothing. It's a monster rivalry game. I just think the Jimmys and the Joes don't shape up so well for Auburn this year. And that's not to say Alabama or anything like that. I just think they are going to go in there and mop the floor with Auburn and I also think Saban's going to use this as a tune-up for getting things ready for Atlanta. And man, I think they're going to get themselves right and they're going to be ready come come title title game weekend. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm taking I'm taking the tie to cover that. Although it is a big number in a rivalry game, especially in that rivalry game. Okay, the next one uh, is no longer called this, but I refuse to not call it anything else. It's like not calling the Georgia-Florida game the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. So, the Civil War, Oregon State going to Eugene to face off against Oregon. Oregon is a six and a half point favorite after getting absolutely pummeled. Uh, Utah last weekend. Good on you, boss. You called that, brother. You were all in on the Utes last weekend. What do you think to do this weekend? You think the Beavs go in and get themselves a win, or you think Oregon
1: rebounds? Oregon doesn't cover that. I, I don't. I, I'm not saying that they don't win, but I don't think they cover that. I mean, last year Oregon State beat them straight up. In I mean, it was a monsoon, but there was a ton of points scored, and Oregon. I mean, like I said last week, they they usually. Towards the end of the season, every year they do this. It just, they just, they're a completely lethargic team kind of muddled through. Mud, they, they, they're high flying at the beginning of the season. And then it's like towards the end of the season, it's all gone. And it's like, they turn into this run first smash mouth team that can't score. And if they do score, it's, they can't stop anybody. Which for all the talent on that defense just blows my mind. You've got two legitimate top five players on that defense with Sewell and Thibodeau. And you can't stop anyone. Come on. So I think Oregon State covers. I, I have no idea if they're gonna win or not, but I think Oregon State covers. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the beats.
0: I, I just because I don't want to pick Oregon, essentially. I don't really have any feel for it. It's your reactionary pick. That's it. Just reactionary. One of my all time favorite rivalry trophies. The game itself will probably be a bit of a wet fart, but just an excellent rivalry trophy. They battle for the old oaken bucket. Indiana going to play Purdue. I mean, just a dumpster fire of a game, right? But you think I'm not going to put that trophy on our list? You don't know me at all, homie. I mean, that's absolutely
1: locked in the list. So Purdue is a 14 and a half point favorite. You think they cover that? i looked at this to start off with when I saw the list and I was like, you know what? Purdue definitely going to take Purdue. Then I started looking at it and the more and more I looked at it, Indiana has been just an absolute train wreck compared to what they were last year. Everybody thought they were going to, you know, they were darlings of the big 10 last year. Then Pennix coming back from the ACL. Everybody thought they were going to be, you know, be able to build off of that. And the coach was like talking about getting all these other jobs. I got the big pay raise. Purdue is going to win this game and they should win handedly. Yeah. I think that Indiana keeps it competitive. I still think Purdue is going to win, and I think Purdue is going to cover. I think Indiana is going to keep it more competitive than people think, but Indi- Purdue is going to pull away at the end because just, they're just not very good. Neither is Purdue, but Purdue at home will pull away. And I like, I like Braum. A very, I think Braum is a very underrated coach. So you're taking the Boilermakers. I'm taking the Boilermakers. All right, I'm going to try and steal one back here.
0: I'm purely taking this to try and steal one from you. I'm taking IU. Go Hoosiers. I know it's basketball season now, but get a cover for your boy. Go Hoosiers. All right. All right. I mean, boy, you talk about conflict right here, my man. I know. What am I going to do here? I texted you. I was like, how are you going to pick a winner on this one? I don't know. I'm so conflicted. The, first off, the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. Is there a better rivalry trophy in all the land than Paul Bunyan's freaking axe? I mean, come on. Excellent trophy. And you get to carry the axe and homie. It's big. Like it is Paul Bunyan's axe. Like yeah. that thing is massive. Um, Wisconsin going to Minnesota. Badgers are a six and a half point road favorite. I mean, I don't know what I'm gonna do here, brother. This is, I, this is just going to put my brain in a pretzel trying to pick one of these two. These are my two darlings from the big 10 that I love. Um, who, who you got? Who you taking? You're
1: going to take PJ Fleck to spite me right now. <laughs> I'm actually not taking him to spite you. I'm taking, I think Wisconsin wins. I'm taking row the boat to come. <laughs> Bless. That's That's actually what I think is going to happen at home. That game, it might be, what, five degrees and a blizzard. So yes. I think that there, there might be 10 total points scored in that entire game. It might be seven to three, if they're lucky. Maybe maybe six to three. There may be, I mean, it may be three-nothing. Who knows? There's going to be no offense in that game whatsoever. It's going to be ugly, low scoring. I love the under. Take the under in this game. Take, take the under. Regardless if it's snowing or not, take the under, because these these defenses are pretty good. I think it's – I mean, I I do think Wisconsin Wisconsin has more to play for. Wisconsin uh, shot at the Big Ten title game. They're going to come out fired up. The defense is playing out of their minds the past, what, six weeks? So, I think that Wisconsin wins, but it's going to be really close. So, I'm taking – give me row the boat. Badger fans,
0: I love you. Madison, I love you. State Street, I love you. But if y'all think that I am not picking the quarter zip and that beautiful double wins or not that P.J. Fleck is pulling out this weekend for Paul Bunyan's ax y'all don't know me at all. I am yes. taking the Gophers, and I'm not even thinking twice about it. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm not going to break it down. <laughs> the Gophers are raising up Paul Bunyan's I I don't just think they're going to cover. I think they're going to win straight up. How about that? I'm going to take you a step further. On tally site this week, I'm going to take them to win straight up and to cover. And I need some recovery on tally site after my bummer of a week last week. All right, next game on the docket, also another fantastic rivalry game name, Bedlam, Oklahoma, going into Stillwater, play to Pokes. Oak State is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They are also very much alive in the CFB conversation. Who are you liking that one?
1: Oklahoma State, all day. Defense is playing excellent. Oklahoma's offense is stuck in neutral. Lincoln Riley can't decide what quarterback he wants to play. And as I said a couple weeks ago, there is no reason that any team that has college football playoff aspirations should ever struggle against the Kansas Jayhawks. Go Pokes.
0: I'm with you, homie. I'm taking the Pokes. I I like how that team is constructed this year. Um, I also think they have one of the cooler – home stadiums in the country. Uh, it, I've never been there, but it looks like on TV that they are just right up on the field. Uh, so I bet it's a really cool place to watch a game of it. It's loud. Um, also Stillwater supposed to be a really cool town. Uh, fun fact. It's where Garth Brooks got his start. It's where he played country music. He went to Oak state. Uh, he was a personal friend of head coach, Bill. Self, head basketball coach of Kansas, who was also at Oak state. So yeah. Uh, Eskimo Joe's great place to eat and drink beers in Stillwater. So yep. Go pokes. I'm taking them as well, brother. I think Oklahoma is a fraud up and down the line, and they have been all year long. All right. Clean, old-fashioned hate. The Dogs are going to uh, Mark Rick Field uh, in Atlanta to play the Bugs. 34.5-point road favorites. How much do they cover that by? 17. Oh, I like it. I think it's like 56 Nothing. You think they're going to duplicate the Notre Dame score? I
1: think that I could see like a 56, 55. I mean, I could even see a 59 with a field goal in there. You know, I could see something like that. I just, I don't see, I don't see Tech scoring unless there's some stupid, weird touchdown like CSU got last week. I don't see, I don't see Tech crossing midfield in this game, honestly. On top of that, this is exactly like I said earlier. Get in, get up big, get the backups in, get out, stay healthy. There's just no reason that this isn't an absolute dolly wop of a game and just moving on. There's just there's not even this isn't even talent disparity. There this is I mean, you're basically playing a JV team at this point. If you told me that
0: in order to take another breath, I had to name you one player on Georgia Tech's roster, your boys, it's curtains for your boy.
1: I could, I not, could, name, name, I could, I could not name, name one.
0: one player on their roster.
1: I could not name one. He just entered the transfer portal, though. Jameer Gibbs, the running back that we wanted to get a couple years ago, late, and he went to Tech. C- couldn't that's tell the only you one. one I know.
0: Couldn't tell you one guy. That, that's bad. Dude, I'm not like a casual college football fan. That just tells you how irrelevant Georgia Tech football is. Couldn't tell you one guy on the roster. I can barely tell you Jeff Collins' name. I know he spells his name with a G. <laughs> That's an indictment to start right there. Just off. You. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they are going to dump truck Georgia Tech. I'm with you. I think they're going to put up in the 50s from a point perspective. And I am expecting a special teams touchdown of some kind
1: this weekend. I think it's going to be lad. I think lad's going to bust one before Kyrus does. He was close oh, last week.
0: Oh, no, He was so close last week. Kyrus was like one shoelace away from getting one. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, I, let's take a moment to this. They're, unless something just I, – I think they would have to have Doctor Strange come in pregame in order for something to happen where Georgia loses the football game. So, dude, the dogs are going to be 12-0. I mean, yeah, what a fall, brother. I mean, just incredible. So, if you think we're closing this out without talking about the over-under, all right, listener over-under. How many croissants is my boy going to eat on Thursday?
1: <laughs> uh, set the number hmm. for me. Hey, let, uh, let me do this. Let's set the number of cans. How about that? Oh, I like that. How many come in a can? No, no. I, I think I think 12. I don't know. I, don't, I honestly uh, 12, don't know. 12, that's the appetizer. No, I'm, I, mean, I I'm thinking I'm thinking the over under of number of cans of croissant, croissants that I eat will be 3. So and I'm okay. putting I'm putting it throughout the day, I'm guaranteeing right. you it'll be the over. <laughs> no it, questions asked, it'll be the over. Gonna be a 3 can day for my boy. At least, at least Dude, my wife buys the four pack, that's mine alone. Then buys the four pack for the rest of the family. So and I usually get into the family so, section so that's right baby
0: <laughs> i'm so here for it so y'all just keep that on your mind while you having your thanksgiving suppers and ain't none of y'all across america eat more croissants on america's day of celebration and my boy he's gonna be eating french all day long
1: <laughs> i mean that's pretty much my thanksgiving you know i'll have like a piece of turkey like a couple little sides here and there but you know pretty much that's that's pretty much what i'll eat on thanksgiving you know that's what i like so oh i
0: love that i love that Well, I will, uh, eat my body weight in, um, stuffing and I'll just lather it in gravy. And my favorite thing really though, about Thanksgiving is not the initial meal. It's like the halftime of the egg bowl leftover sandwich that I'm going to make. I'll toast me up a little sourdough, slap some provolone cheese on there with some turkey and stuffing little drizzle of mashed potato in there, and then top it all in gravy. Oh, get out of here. I'll cut you for that. Dude, they had uh, in college, they had a sandwich at this place I used to go, and it was called the Thanksgiving Leftover Sandwich. They had it all year long. Do you know how many of those I ate during my college times? Like, I I couldn't even put a number on it. I ate so many of them. Every Tuesday and Thursday I ate one. Because they served them on Tuesday and Thursday. I had one every Tuesday and Thursday of my entire collegiate experience. That's a large number, folks. A large number. Your boy was housing Thanksgiving sandwiches. And, and this look, is a very, very small man. <laughs> hey, look. And look, I, I, I don't fool with no cranberry, okay? don't. I, I, same rule for my Thanksgiving sandwich as I have for my pizza. Don't fruit the pizza. Don't fruit the Thanksgiving sandwich. Y'all put the pitchforks away. I know some of y'all out there are all about your cranberry sauce. I don't, I don't want nothing to do with it. You keep the fruit, keep all of it. The
1: cranberries are gross. No thanks. So,
0: all right, homie. Well, happy Thanksgiving
1: and go dogs. Happy Thanksgiving. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.